This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, it's 6am Monday, the 29th of August, and it's we are in the last week of the eighth month of the year. Freedom! Freedom. Medeka <laughs> coming up on Wednesday. Uh, so a nice midweek break. Not sure what everybody's up to, but what are you up to, Philip? Well, I'm off to Phuket. Wow! I'm off to Phuket Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Then I'll be in Penang Saturday, Sunday because apparently I'm going to give a retreat. Well done. Keeping a very busy. Retreat. Keeping yes. very, very busy. But how's this weekend that just passed? Also was, super busy for you? It was super busy. I had a great weekend. I actually went to the MPO Malaysian Philharmonic Orchestra to watch the anime orchestra, which is amazing. I heard it was full house. It was full house, right? And I was the oldest person there. I was top 5% <laughs> no, 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 no. My sister was there, so she's older than you. Top 5%, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. Everybody <laughs> no. else was in a full anime costume. I was in a really boring red batik shirt. Well done, but at least you were there and it's so nice to see Malaysians out and about supporting the arts once it again. It was wonderful and the young was so engaged. I loved it and they were so enthused and I think the orchestra really enjoyed it as well. I think what's interesting is that uh, MPO is taking this approach whereby they're introducing music. Uh, it's not the first time they've done it actually. They've done it in the past but it's good to, that they're introducing music which young people want to watch or, you know, not just not just a classical True. genre, which is of course important, but other types of genre too. Well, the one I'm looking forward to is mid-September, John Williams. Wow. That, I think, is going to be a stonker. Okay. Uh, in the meantime, as usual, we've got a very, very busy show. At 7.15 though, um, sadly, do you know that 1 million people have died from COVID this year alone? Very sobering this, for 2022. Yeah. Yes, despite the availability of vaccines and booster shots. So why? Uh, Dr. Koo Yong Kian, scientific officer at Duke NUS Centre for Outbreak Preparedness, tells us, at least tries to give us the answer, whilst giving us an update on why Singapore is opting to go maskless indoors. And at thirty and, and at 7.30, if you've gone to the petrol pump, I think you, you will appreciate this story because oil prices have been volatile all year and it's the world's largest of, sorry, and as the world's largest of this black gold, it's a blessing but a curse when oil prices drop suddenly. Now, Toby, Toby Ellis, head of Middle East and Africa Sovereign for Fitch Ratings, tells us how this kingdom is diversifying its economy. Then at 7.45, I think this weekend can only be described as a busy one for political parties. Ibrahim Sufyan, Program Director at Medeka Centre, give us, gives us all the highlights and maybe tells us when GE15 might actually happen. All this on more. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, 6.08, Monday the 29th of August. And that was Islands in the Stream by Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton, a true classic country song. But is is doing tests at an interview a classic anymore? Is it like a thing that people do nowadays? Because the FT says uh, it is with Liz Truss apparently. Well, I think it's a bit silly in my view. I really think all these IQ tests don't really help. I mean, okay, firstly, we have to establish what's the intention of the IQ test. Okay, okay, let's give some context, all right? Yeah. So the FT article says, stumping people with brain teasers is no way to hire the best. Uh, but apparently, it's quite common. Uh, actually, even here at BFM, we do give out a test. I, I had to sit for a test. All of us here in this studio had to sit for a test. Producer Mo, you you did a simple I test. I did a test. An air check. For yes. us, that's important, right? That's because, important. I mean, if you sound like a frog, we can't let you on air. <laughs> wow. Carbet. Well, you know, we, we do the test not to get to the answer, but to where you think about yes, it, right? Yes. So because it's very it really different. Is, I mean, for these kind of tests that we give at BFM, there's no really right or wrong answer. Mm, so but I, I do think we will we'll come back to that in a few minutes, though. 
in okay. terms of what is it? Okay, well, let's just, let's talk about that, right? I mean, for example, like for us, especially in BFM, you do need a bit of, have a bit of general knowledge. So, for example, a bit, just a bit, a bit of general a bit, knowledge. Okay. So, for example, like geography, you should know what's a country and what's a continent, right? Yes, yes. And as what, an example, what, what are the capitals as well? For sure, right? So yes. there's a distinction between Southern Africa and South Africa, for example. Yes, but I think that's more than that. I mean, we do want to find out whether you have a worldview whether um, you do know what is going around the world politically, not just in Malaysia, because Malaysia is honestly a dot on the map mm. and we're all interrelated. You do need to know, especially in the era of COVID, what's happening in terms of uh, COVID-19, the pandemic, um, global efforts to stem out this you know, uh, uh, pandemic. And of course, economics, very important for us on the morning run. Business and, news, and, and, market and, news, everything. And to be honest, we're just pop- basically professional capos. Yeah, and pop culture, Taylor Swift is not a type of bird. <laughs> Okay. Right? Yes, yes. And what is the number one hit that Beyonce just released an album, for example? Well, she didn't get number one, but the album is out, by sure, the way. I don't even know. You didn't even maybe know. I okay, maybe you failed. Immediately. Yeah, fired immediately. <laughs> I should get fired immediately for not doing that. <laughs> but this, this article in FT says that um, certain people like to put up very challenging maths tests. And is that really necessary? Okay, I here am a little bit different because I think if the work does require some mathematical acumen and ability, True. Why not? Because if let's say you hired somebody to write complicated maths related algorithms for fund management yeah, yeah, and yeah. you can't count one plus one equals what, what is the point of hiring them, right? So the joke here is I think, you know, the interviewer must have also the same intellectual capacity. You can't just ask the tough, ask the difficult question, but you yourself don't know the answer. So the no, joke... No, I don't think that's true. You want to hire necessarily somebody that's really, really good at it because you know you're not good at it, right? Sometimes. Yeah, but you know, you need the basics, right? For this case here, she was trying to put a test like one eighth, one seventh minus one eighth, what's the answer, right? And then someone asked her what's eight times seven and she gave 54. Oh. So that's, I think, a sign that really you look, you're not, you're beyond your capacity to even ask this question in the first place. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, if you don't even know the answer, but right? No, but then if you confess that you don't scary. know the answer, okay, for me, okay, because I, I have to hire sometimes, I will confess I don't know how to do this. And then I say, okay, but I expect you to. Is that sure. unfair? But then how do you process your thought? How do you understand your thought process if you don't know how to get there? Depends what kind of test. So like if it's a mathematical acumen, acumen test, right, it's pretty black and white. I just need mm. you to know that you can do it. I don't need you to tell me to think how your process, how, how your brain works as to get to the answer. I think it's more when it comes to these more subjective tests that it's a little bit, a little bit of this... Uh, you have to put on your hat a little bit more and think through the questions. And yes, you do need to be able to have your own answers with regards to the subjective tests. Yeah, so like I think if you're like, like I've been, I've been in consulting before, if you do all these case studies, mm. for example, like in this studio, assuming you have these little tennis balls, how many tennis balls can you fit into this studio, for example? Yeah, right? what would be the way to do what it, What would the right? way to do it? That's, I think, more important than the absolute answer. Yeah, yeah, because there is no real, I'm, I'm sure that somebody would be a geek and calculate it properly to, but the yeah. process in terms of like, do you calculate because of the area that displays fields? Sure. Each ball is how big? big. Yeah, so that kind of logic, I think, is what you uh, we are You're trying looking to for, right? How fast yeah. you think, think on your feet and, and answer and whether you have actually a thought process and structure, right, in how you make decisions. Yeah. That's, I think, quite important. But for any job, I think what happens is that so much is revealed during the interview process. Mm. So much is revealed sometimes even during the test because f- for us, the test is a means of an interview because we discuss what you do. But by the way, we are still hiring presenters <laughs> and producers on the morning run. And if you are interested and you're curious to find out what kind of tests we give, uh, what does an air check really mean, do write in. I think the email is jobs at bfm.my. Uh, 
yeah, and we are looking for people from a variety of talent, but I do suggest you brush up on your geography. So if you know the capital city of Burkina Faso, WhatsApp us now <laughs> and we will hire you on the spot. No, no we won't, but the WhatsApp <laughs> is 018-789-8899 or you can tweet in at BFM Radio. Um, but you can also tell us what was the most ridiculous job interview or test that you've ever done in your life? Let us know. Let's share these funny stories with us. We'll read it out on social media. Um, but up next, of course, we've got some messages. So keep it here, BFM 89.9. 6.20 BFM, you're listening to The Morning Run with Philip C. I'm Wong Xiaoning. It is Monday, the 29th of August, and that was Shakedown Street by Grateful Dead. I don't know how you can be dead and grateful. Well, you should be grateful when you're near your deathbed. Yes. You look back and you smile at yourself and think, that's a life that I've lived worth living. Uh, I don't know... <laughs> From there, where do we go, Philip? Exactly. I'm leaving, I'm leaving you in the lurch there. You, <laughs> you have to get yourself out of that whole mess you put yourself in just now. Okay, let's turn to social media then. That's what we do, right? We're in a pickle. Uh, we're reading some WhatsApp messages that came in and we've got this from, let's just call him Anonymous. Anonymous told us that he had a sobriety test before joining uh, one of the beverages company. Shall we just call it <coughs> beverage? Sure. Beverage company. Alcoholic beverages. Yeah, because apparently they were worried that uh, uh, maybe they don't want to they want to make sure that everybody doesn't sample the the product at work so if i was joining an e-commerce website and if i was like i love online shopping is, is that, that gonna a be bad a problem good, no maybe that's a good thing because then you will be able to reference like your uh, different shopping experiences exactly. right? i think or, so I think, or if you work for an auto company wouldn't you like somebody that's a bit of a petrol hit at uh, least interested in cars i mean for me passion has to be part of the job description Okay. It has to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to. True. You have to be very passionate about something. Yeah, For so example, if, even in BFM, right, you're passionate about certain things, about disseminating information, yes. providing insights. And by the way, I gave out the wrong uh, email. If you were <laughs> thinking of applying and the jobs at BFM goes nowhere, that's my bad. It's actually careers at bfm.my. And yes, please don't say you don't listen to us if you apply for a job here. That is the number one boo-boo to me. Yeah. Which I've heard a few times. And then I look at What the do you do for a living? Uh, what do you do for a living? Or I don't listen to BFN. I'm like, why are you applying here then? Okay, but never mind. Uh, we are looking at this interesting podcast about careers, actually. Right? It is somewhat related. It we is were related. Just talking. Yeah. And you chose this. I chose this because... At, sadly, on a Sunday at about what Saturday time? Saturday morning at 10 a.m. And by that time, I too had listened to this podcast. <laughs> we are two sad, sad we people. We are passionate about the content of this show. And that's <laughs> why if you're passionate about content, you should be joining us and building a career and not just a job here Yeah, careers with the S, by, by the way. Careers yes. at bfm.my. Yes, because I enjoyed this. Because, you know, we are, we are about four or five months out of the pandemic. And Sean, you know, both of us... We've always talked about where is the post-mortem in Malaysia, about how we've managed the pandemic. Post-mortem of anything and everything. Yes. So we never do post-mortems. We never do post-mortems. And I think this uh, podcast was very refreshing because the CDC in the in US, the Centre for Disease Control and Prevention's director, Rochelle Walensky, went on air and actually got interviewed by the Wall Street Journal about some of her work she's trying to do mm. to reorganise the agency and to basically reflect on all the lessons learned throughout the pandemic and how they could do a better job for future pandemics. Yes. And to be fair to her is uh, is the fact that she actually only joined the agency in January 2021. So she wasn't even there when COVID-19 hit. Because of the change of yeah. administration yes. as well. So, of course, we all know 
COVID made its debut in the world sometime in 2019, late 2019. And then by March 2020, it had really just taken over the whole world, mm. right? And mm. in the US, numbers were increasingly, really shockingly high. Uh, there was a lot of confusion in terms of guidelines. There was a lot of differences between what the federal wanted, what the state wanted. At the same time, you had a president who just wanted to like sweep it under the Was carpet. in denial to yeah, a certain and extent. pretended that if you took certain medicines, hydrochlor what was it, hydroquine? Hydrochloroquine. Yeah. You'll be fine. It's, it's just the flu. It will pass. And then in the meantime, thousands and thousands and thousands, millions in fact in the US passed away. And then she took over in January 2021. But even mm. then, she acknowledged that there were mistakes before her time and they continue to be mistakes after her time. And she took responsibility for the mistakes before her time. I think that was what's very refreshing, yeah? Because she said, look, whatever took place in the past, I also am accountable for that because I have to course correct it moving forward. You can't just sweep it under the carpet and just move on forward, right? So I think that was what's very refreshing. But when you look through and her look through her reflections, I think a very big chunk of it was communications mm. a piece about how the CDC should have done better in communicating. And she made a very striking uh, point in my view, was that in the past, the CDC was very much focused on the public health practitioners, the doctors, you know, the broader, I guess, institutions of health, right? Yes. As opposed to the general public. Yes. And that was, I think, the biggest lesson for her, that she had to basically repivot the communication so that the CDC was able to target broader public health. Yeah, so there was one thing. One, of course, is the communication and that communications job was actually left empty for months, right? Nobody wanted it. The second thing that she acknowledged is that scientists need to work faster and harder and that they were very reluctant to release the data and that could have actually helped to save lives. But, you know, because scientists always want to be careful, they want to err on the side of caution, sometimes not necessarily to, to uh, I think, the society's advantage. But, but she also acknowledges it doesn't mean that you just ignore peer review. Peer reviews are still extremely important, right? So, yeah. So the data, in, in, in fact, like when you find something out, you need to get that information out quickly. But this is a tension always between technical and management, always, right? Because technical is, you know, this is an example of scientists, but how about engineers, but, you know, people on the ground mm. who perhaps are really focused on the job, right? Management probably looks at it differently, may not understand the nuts and bolts of what's happening. So you must reconcile both. You know, management is like, I want to communicate better, so give me the data faster and accurate. But the scientists, the technical professions are going to be a bit more hesitant, right, until all the dots and crosses are tied. The other thing that she f I found really interesting is that she said that uh, people need to be remunerated better so that they would be willing to be deployed when necessary. Mm. Uh, so there was this, you know, like hesitancy in terms of hiring and probably paying people well so that they would want to take on these new, uh, I would suppose, challenges. And it is a challenging time, right? Trying to figure out what to do during a pandemic. So you need to spend the money when you do need to spend the money. But the main thing is, yeah. she did acknowledge that there were some boo-boos and it was, her, it was under her watch and she hoped that she would learn from it. And it's something we very, very seldom hear anywhere. But up next, of course, is the 6.30am news bulletin and to take us out is Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. 6.40, Monday, the 29th of August. And of course, you're listening to The Morning Run with Philip C. And I'm Wong Shaoling. And that very hipster song was Ready to Start by Arcade Fire. And we certainly hope that we 
are helping you get ready for the start of this week. Although it's a very short week with Yay. a nice break on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, we all need that midweek break. Uh, but at this time of the morning, we're always looking through the international stories that have caught our eye. What has caught your eye, Flip? I think a recurring theme across all the news portals is Pakistan, but for many different reasons, right? I think if you look at the for BBC... all the wrong reasons, for All the wrong reasons, but for very different things. So for BBC, Pakistan floods really are at its record highest levels in Pakistan. Did Pakistan's you see the videos? It's shocking, right? It was really, really shocking. I was, it was like, my goodness, where did all this water come from? And it, apparently thousands of people have been displaced. Food is going to be a big issue. Sanitation is another big problem there. 1,000 people have already perished because of the floods and millions have been affected in the southern province of Sindh. Now, these floods are really very catastrophic. But what's also catastrophic also is the political turmoil in Pakistan. We saw Imran Khan, right, I think, uh, get arrested about a couple of days ago. And also Pakistan is expected to dodge their short-term default default because the IMF is expected to resume its $6 billion US bailout program. So really, you see these economic challenges taking place all across South Asia, including Pakistan. You see this political turmoil also also taking place, coupled with the environmental catastrophes that are taking there. Really, this triple whammy is a really very, very significant for Pakistan here. Yeah. Um, I was listening to a podcast this morning, actually BBC World Service, and they were interviewing the Pakistan uh, foreign minister. And he was saying that, you know, help is coming actually from all the neighbours and they really do need this assistance, right? Because it's a, it's a humanitarian crisis. Now, over the, on Friday, um, turning news, turning our attention to economic news, of course, was the outcome from the Jackson Hole meeting. And it actually caused markets to really correct severely. The Dow uh, was down um, 3% and then the S&P down 3.3% and the Nasdaq down close to 4%. We'll talk to Kingsley Jones later on at 7am to get his views on you know why are markets crashing. But very quickly, I think markets took heed that the Fed is not going to change its policy direction. It That's is right. definitely just going to continue raising the Fed fund rate till the point where inflation comes under control and the hawks are still very much out in the US. I Despite the fact that there was hope mm. that because there was weakness in the economy, the Fed will actually be a little bit more dovish. I mean, it's not only the US, I think, that's taken a very hawkish stance. If you look at all the central banks that convened at Jackson Hole, it seems to be a pretty unanimous position there. So they even quoted, I think, the ECB, uh, European Central Bank's executive board member, Isabel Schnabel, right, the day's mm. most anticipated speaker, where she urged her colleagues to act with determination to slow price increases that in Europe are nearing 10% and the United States are above 8%. So the expectation really is that these rates, they will remain elevated and they will remain elevated for some time. Yeah, I don't think it's... I mean, when you look at inflation at 8.5%, right, in the US, and your target is 2%, realistically, there's a huge gap, right? Huge what, gap. what choice do you have? Yeah. At the same time, right, the job market is still relatively robust. So you think, huh, even if I were to, you know, re- increasingly raise rates what would the downside be to the economy? Yes, uh, there is inflationary pressure. Cost of food did go up. But at the same time, actually, cost of food has started to come down a little bit also. So I think the, the Fed is looking at all these macroeconomic data points and thinking to itself, you know, it's the risk reward, right? Better I handle or sort out inflation 
then worry about the repercussions mm. in terms of uh food prices, for example. And they expect inflation to stay and maintain for a long time simply because inflation is usually a lagging indicator, yes, isn't it? it? Is. So so we are already seeing the economy weaken. So the aftermath of inflation will come through much later on. So I think that's why there's this expectation that this is not a one-off event that no. will take place. It's just that uh, what is the tipping point, right? So you always question central banks in terms of you know, at, reacting too late, which is why we got to this hyperinflation. Well, I wouldn't say hyper, but Ter- you know, right, decade high inflationary figures that we had never seen before mm. since the 1970s. So, so debate here is headline or core inflation. That's I think what to look out for, right? I mean, everybody is looking at the headline, which includes energy prices. I think that's one of the biggest challenges that we are seeing all across the world, especially in Europe. And what's very interesting is that Germany is planning to restart, jumpstart its coal plants. Mm. I think to mitigate, I think these rising energy prices as we hand, head into winter, we expect that to be very much energy prices to jump up to 80%. Yeah. Now, I want to talk about Ukraine because, you know, we did, um, it's been six months into the war and I think EU is looking at other measures to counter or at least, you know, impose more sanctions. And the EU is set to suspend visa travel agreements with Russia. So there's a plan to freeze the 2000 deal, which will make it harder and more expensive for Russians to get to the Schengen area documents. Because once they get a Schengen visa, they can travel freely in uh, Europe. So I think uh, EU foreign ministers are this week set set to back suspending the bloc's visa facilitation agreements with Moscow. This is actually currently being... um, in, it's actually in the Financial Times. So let's just see what else the EU will come up with. Yeah, because Russia is digging its heels yes. in. And guess what? Their economy is doing pretty well. Mm, and they're increasing their troop count by yeah. 10%. So it doesn't look like this war is close, is ending anytime soon. Uh, but up next, we've got the song Under the Sun by D-I-I-V or Div, I'm not sure. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. And that was Under the Sun. And I was told it's by the band called Dive, not D-I-I-V. This is by the way, The Morning Run with Philip C. I'm Wong Shaoning. 6.51, Monday, the 29th of August. And we're revealing that we are clearly not Boomers. hipsters. Not hipsters at all. Uh, but at this time of the morning, we're looking through all the local stories. Philip, what has caught your eye? I think we would be living under the rock if we cannot, if we don't acknowledge that Aaron Chia and So Yik have made Malaysians go aesthetic by clinching the men's doubles title at the 2022 World Badminton Championships in Tokyo, Japan. I know. Clap, so clap, proud clap, of clap, them. Clap, clap, clap. First yes. ever World Cup, uh, World Goal, right? Exactly. World Championship Goal. Super proud of them. I mean, I think even the... Best Medica present we can Best Medica present. 12, 19, 12, 20, 21, 19, 21, 14. Great result for all of us here in Malaysia. Of course, uh, being the typical Malaysians... Uh, Public holiday? Yeah, yeah. That was the conversation that we had when we entered the studio <laughs> at 6am. Question marks about that, but I... Don't think so, guys. I think we all have to wait. Tunggu, tunggu, tunggu. Because that's also what Ismail Sabri is saying about the dissolution of parliament. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, yes, he did say that, didn't he? Because there was a lot, a lot of political meetings over the weekend. I don't know whether we have been able to even keep up with it here on the morning run at BFM. But... At 7.45, Ibrahim Sufyan, who's the program director at Medeka Centre, will give us all the highlights and maybe answer the question as to when GE15 is. Because clearly, I'm no one's it, but Ismail Sabri is kind of just holding back a little bit.
Is that what I get? I get the sense uh, of that? Well, you know, that's where it's very interesting, right? Because you saw the Amno assembly that took place over the weekend. It was very, very interesting. And for me, it was partly... A sea of red. Sea of red. Partly dystopian as well. Because, you know, there was a lot of rallying cries for Najib Razak. Mm. You know, free him, pardon him and such. And I, yeah, His did, wife, his children, his, wife, his, his lawyers, ch- they were all there. His daughter was giving a pretty rousing speech as yeah, well yeah. in the assembly, I think. So, I think... I think that's really that momentum, that drum beat. And I was just reflecting over the weekend. I was going through the Star newspaper, right? Every day last week, there was some mention about GE15 on the front page. For sure. Nearly every page day. And we are guilty of it too here at BFM, right? Because that's a question we're going to ask at 7.45, right? Uh, you know, we all want to know in a way because we're at this point in time in, in our history where I think so much is going to be dependent on the outcome of GE15. Mm. Uh, we will, in a way, it's like, can we just get on with it, right? So then there'll be, pol- I'm not even sure. To be honest, even after GE15, I think coalition politics is pretty much here to stay. We're going to have to get used to that, right? Uncertainty. It's just all the institutions that surround government, be it the judiciary, the police, the army, the government servants, what I would like is to it just for it to be very robust. So it doesn't matter what political leaders come and go. We function very well as a country. We keep uh, our focus on what our long-term goals are and we head in that direction. I think that's really when we get to this sense of democracy, maturity, yeah. political uh, maturity as well. Now, very quickly, the Malay Mail is highlighting that the police are to investigate past leader Tan Sri Ahadi Awang over his racial remarks claiming that non-Muslims and non-Bumiputras were believed to be the majority involved with corruption in the country. Yes, I think there were 28 reports already launched against the Marang MP for his comments. Right. I think this was the whole point about whether, you know, the root cause of Malays were for corruption. I think also there was also quite a lot of discussion about this in the respective conventions, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, the other thing, of course, that has come to my my eye is the Singapore Straits Times, actually. Their top story for Malaysia, maybe they've got a bit political, like after covering all the different political parties. Um, they have an article saying more secondary school leavers in Malaysia don't plan to continue studying. And this is a study shown that as many as 70% after SP don't want to continue. That's shocking. I never expected this number to be so high. How can we expect seven out of ten of our students I mean, it, who it, sit for SPM do not continue it studies? Was actually, and we've talked about That's it actually on our number. show. Uh, we did earlier on in the month because this was reported by the Utusan Malaysia on the August the 3rd. But apparently our minister, Adam Baba, now wants to have another agency to investigate whether this set of data in the first place is correct. But the f- even if there's, of course, you know, might be some issues over this census or survey, we really need to think about this more seriously. But my question is, why is he involved? Shouldn't the Ministry of Higher Education be involved with this rather than actually... Or even family and development, Yes, right? why, why is Mosti involved in this whole thing? Well, we don't know. Anybody know? Please let us know. <laughs> but up next is the 7am News Bulletin. And to take us there is A Change Would Do You Good by Cheryl Crow. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.